You are listening to Think Theory Radio. 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 Hello and welcome to Think Theory Radio, the show that brings you topics outside the mainstream realm of thought and ideas to make you think. And I'm your host, Damien Perdue, your weird guide on this scientific ride of audio delights. And of course, I'm joined by Pauly C. Yo, yo, yo. And it is weird and scientific because today is... And... Yeah. In case anyone didn't know those, I, I do the scratches myself right there. It's been a while. It felt like <laughs> in the early fall, you yeah. did these really close together, maybe like three weeks mm. apart or something that, you know, like end of one month, beginning of another. Yeah, maybe. usually about once a month or every four weeks or something. But it's been a while. It has. I kind of felt like we did the spooky science for mm-hmm. yeah. Halloween. Halloween. I felt yeah. like that was kind of a... Checks that surrogate box, yeah. kind of version of it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, gave it a little more, a little more breathing room, you know, let it breathe, let it ferment mm-hmm. like a good beer. Marinate. <laughs> and marinate. <laughs> uh, so, yes. So I have had and also gave me time to compile a crazy list of interesting and weird happenings in the scientific realm and technological. I have uh, several kind of. Uh, New inventions, okay. And the technology aspect. Hey, I say tease it. What do we? What do we got? You always tell us. This is about the time where you tell us what do we have. Yes, well, I got some, some weird, weird technological, mm-hmm, some things. cool okay. technological inventions. I got okay. uh, some weird hypotheses. 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 Some quantum. You know, I got to involve some kind of quantum entanglement. Yep. Yep. A couple different quantum entanglement things. Um and and others, but first I'm going to start off with this one because I because it's uh, eh, there's no real reason why I'm starting off with it except that I think it's a good beginner story. Okay, and at first it involves advertisement. Okay, start at the very beginning. <laughs> okay, uh, it involves technology. It involves okay. advertising, and I feel like. Because I was thinking about it as we were coming up to the to the show, and and uh, I feel like advertising. It's I think most of us have a love hate or just hate relationship with advertising. Mm-hmm. I don't really know anyone that just totally loves. I know there are people that love it or hate it. Or, you know what I mean? Nah, Unless no, maybe no, you're like some people out there that work really, in advertising, really maybe. like advertising. Well, I mean, yeah. it's gotten better, right? Yeah, you know, like remember the stuff from like. The 80s, how it's like, okay, it was a little more blatant in your face. They hadn't figured out, like, how to be funny and entertain Mm -hmm. people and, like, capture people. And now, you know, you have formulaic, like, the syrupy, Mm -hmm. you know, ones, the uh, in-your-face, like, we need to get your attention in a few seconds ones, the funny ones, the, like, postmodern funny ones, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, And somewhere around, like, the millennium turn is when, like, I noticed... Uh, commercials got weird, like in cer- in terms of like the um, ironic humor mm-hmm. or yeah. sarcastic humor, or you know, like a it, little it more meta. Definitely attitude, uh, you know, changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the way advertising had been done with like television commercials. Anyhow, well, um, how would you feel about advertising in space? Well, where and why? I suppose. Like, I mean, if we're people, trying to market towards the the aliens coming here, come to Earth and see what we have to offer. No, no, I'm joking. No, no, I'm joking. No, I was going to say that's a bad idea. That's a no. bad idea. Like we we'll allow people to come in peace, but we're not going to advertise. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know about that. Well, hey, there's you know, there's products to be sold even out in space, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what? Running out of people to sell stuff to. <laughs> I suppose rocket fuel would always be, you know, yeah, right. all right, hey, whatever you want. No, but this recipe. involves uh, sky advertising and space advertising. Like so that you can see it from the ground. You can yeah. see a giant. Okay. Yeah. I, I, 
I would have assumed that was going to happen eventually, but I, I just don't know how clear of a, of a of an image can you project up in the sky. Well, so there's a couple different ways that they're trying. There was actually one big one that just happened in New York uh, last month that I get to, but. Uh, this one involves so there's there's two different ones the ones with drones and then there's one with satellites and this first story is about uh, satellites I actually got this from Forbes and uh, researchers uh, from Skoltech which is a private university in Moscow were studying the economic feasibility of launching a bunch of satellites into orbit and they basically would reflect sunlight and display commercials in the sky above cities. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, Shamil Bikt, Biktamirov, who was one of the uh, research interns there, he says, uh, an unrealistic as, as unrealistic as it may seem, we show that space advertising based on 50 or more small satellites flying in formation could be economically viable. Economic. I am not economically viable. You know what that's from? No. Oh, uh, that's uh, falling down. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time yeah. since I've seen that one. I feel like that movie, if you go rewatch it, it's kind of like predicts the Trump era. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about that. Oh, for That's sure. Some, for sure. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So they, they arrived at the tentative cost of $65 million. That's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one uh, Super Bowl commercial, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the concept uses small CubeSats, which are these little satellites that you could actually, anyone could launch them. You know that anyone could launch a satellite if you wanted to? I mean, you'd have to have the money to do it, but you can get these little cube ones. They're small. They're like... And, but don't you have to have, like, purposes? Like, who who kind of um, oversees you just have that? To, uh, you have to have the money. No, it's uh, done through different space organizations. Sure, and, but, like, you got to have, like, a reason to do it, right? You can't yeah. just launch whatever you want to in space. Just you could just be like, it's money. for research, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. No, I mean, there, I suppose there are, any yeah. excuse. I don't know. Well, what do you... I don't know. That's, anyway, that's yeah. besides... I know. Point. That's another conversation. We'll, we'll launch it. Don't worry. We'll get the Think Theory <laughs> radio satellite up there soon. What's the most useless <laughs> thing thrown into space? I don't know. I, I need to know. But so... Now, so that's just... The, now, this one's a concept, right? So this has a, isn't something that's happening yet. But they want to do... You know, they're talking about the possibility of, of uh, satellites doing ads, right? But there actually was a... Uh, last month, a fleet of 500 drones that lit up the New York skyline with a Candy Crush advertisement. <laughs> this is what we're wasting yes. our valuable resources on. <laughs> it's, a, it's a popular game. Yeah. Well, part of the problem, too, like in the other article, talked about, you know, it's the, like the ongoing light pollution that's happening. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, especially with all these LED lights, I'm, I'm honestly I'm like... You know, Chicago now, we have all these, well, most of the streets have been replaced with these LED streetlights. I'm not a big fan of them. I feel like they're uh, too bright for me, and I can't see beyond them. So that's like for, and it's, it has had an effect with amateur astronomers or urban astronomers. They're not able to see the night sky as much. You couldn't really see it that much from Chicago anyway. To no, begin, but it's know, gotten worse, yeah. though. It actually is sure, significantly yeah. worse. Um, and as we add more and more satellites in the sky, you know, it's like you're like yeah. decreasing the visibility, but also you're creating uh, kind of optical illusions where you can't tell if it's, you know, Plus, it's uh, more things that can fly back to Earth, too. Yeah. You know? Oh, that space junk. Yeah. All that's, you know. Yeah, let's just throw more. It's like, you know, it's like plastic in the ocean, mm -hmm. junk in the space. Who cares, right? <laughs> um, supposedly, they, did, they said this Candy Crush advertisement didn't contribute uh, significantly to light pollution in New York. Um <laughs> It only accounted for point zero zero two percent of the. I don't know why they're all Chicago and I guess yeah. I guess in June they did a similar thing with uh, hundreds of light equipped drones to advertise the the M the NBA draft. Okay, which is like, I don't know. Why do we really need to advertise these things? Like it's funny to me that it's too like. Well, the NBA draft's also already super popular. Candy mm -hmm. Crush is insanely popular. So why? I, don't and know. I would imagine the NBA draft has like a sponsor or something like that that probably 
got up there with the the logo or the the popularity of it i would think yeah you know like mm-hmm. toyota or yeah. whoever you know yeah i mean it's, uh, I, i'm I already don't. I'm not a big fan of billboards and stuff. It's one thing, you know, TV commercials, you know, radio commercials. You kind of know what you're getting into, right? Um, but I really don't want to look up at the sky and constantly see advertising for commercial products. It's my opinion. I don't know what everybody thinks. Um, maybe this caller on the line has an opinion on sky advertising. Hello, caller from 708. Who are you? Bob. Hey, Bob. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Good, good. I'm for the billboards. You like the billboards? Well, because to pay for it, you could start an interga- intergalactic state patrol. Okay. They could ticket them on the way in. <laughs> oh, you mean like space billboards? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's better than the... Yeah. the... What well, about the sky? The you got to stick it to the out-of-towners. We're not going to finance this ourselves. So, like, as they're coming in, it's like, uh, we obey seatbelt laws in, uh, right. on, on Earth. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. And you know why the guys are always from Chicago that make the scientific decisions? Why? The A-guys will never figure it out. <laughs> 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 they don't have enough real-life experience. Ah. <laughs> gotcha. And the Chicago guys always have that mustache too. Oh yeah, gotta gotta have the mustache. Paul had one for a while, but yeah. he, he let the beard grow in. Yeah, there's no shave November. Oh, that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Bob. I mean, that's just just you know you got to keep the machines running. True. Keep the mechanics going. We got to get the money flowing. Yeah, yeah. Get it from anywhere you can. Take it, take it from the aliens. Right, great topic, guys. All right, Love thanks, it. thanks, Bob. <laughs> take care. Yeah. So, uh, space billboards. There was like now he was he was saying that it totally. Rem- there was some movie. I, I was the that, was a drama fifth element always has that. Yeah, yeah that's fifth, true. Fifth element, I think, I think fifth had element that too, had the yeah. space billboards. But you're right. Futurama had all the floating billboards everywhere. Uh, and I think even like you know the. Uh, you know the space highway or whatever you know and they're they're delivering something and it's like a convoy of uh of spaceships there's even like advertisements just floating yeah in that's space. true yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like not just new new york so for those of you playing at home whenever we reference futurama <laughs> uh so um in as part of this story like we're talking about light pollution it says that um the way the, the the bad effects of light pollution is many studies indicated light pollution, uh, street lights, light displays, other sources. They actually disorient migratory birds, plays a role in insect population decline, and for humans, actually exposure to light at night disrupts the our circadian rhythms, the biological clock, which can uh, mess up our health. Although I'm a night person, night owl. Well, I was I was reading something. You know, not everyone is um, tuned to the the same circadian rhythm. You know, you know to the same sleep patterns. And I was uh, I I was reading something recently where it's like you know they they kind of work on you and figure out you know what is your sort of like your yeah like I feel like everyone's got their own Mm -hmm. or like yeah. It's, I've always thought about that because I've always been a night owl, like pretty Same much here. my whole life. Same here. So I wonder, but and I was I was born at three uh, thirty three in the morning. Okay, so I don't know if that has something. No, to do with I was, it. I I was born know. close to noon. So. Okay, so yeah, I don't, yeah. maybe that's, that has nothing to do with it. Um, okay, so on the next this next story, I told you before the show started that I asked you if you liked cats or if you had cats mm-hmm. and you said yes you did I have two cats so I said I would surprise you with this because this is something that you can use okay when you go home tonight <laughs> <laughs> I got this from science alert scientists confirm you can communicate with your cat by blinking very slowly oh yeah for sure I already do that do you <laughs> yeah yeah do you really yeah you kind of like you can do like the what's up nod, but like you know, like kind of like uh, like a slow eye close because they do it back to you. If you mm. see a cat doing that to you, that's like not not in all cases, but that's like a sign of like respect or like they like you. Well, this uh, research shows 
that you just need to smile at them more. Hmm. <laughs> Which actually is uh, blinking for cats. Mm-hmm. I guess blinking to cats is like a form of smiling. And uh, it was a study published in 2020. Scientists observed cat-human interactions and were able to confirm that this act of blinking slowly makes cats, both familiar and unfamiliar animals, approach and be receptive to humans. I, I think it's funny that you say, like, scientists studied human-cat interactions, <laughs> and it's like the true story is probably something like some college kids with, like, a professor, like, can we play <laughs> right. with a bunch of kitties? Right. Like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> or some cat-loving yeah, professor cat, yeah. is just like, I'm going to do a yeah. research on my cat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, there's a quote from psychologist Karen McComb of the University of Sussex. As someone who has both studied animal behavior and as a cat owner, it's great to be able to show that cats and humans can communicate in this way. It's something that many cat owners had already suspected, like Paul, so it's exciting to have found evidence for it. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, it's not like a conversation with a cat, but it's, uh... You know, there's there's really, like, verbal and nonverbal yeah. things you can do. Well, maybe do. you can figure out, like, a Morse code for mm-hmm. that. I'm sure with dogs it's the same thing, though, too. Like, not so much the eyes, but, like, you know, there's just certain nonverbal things you can do with certain domesticated animals where they kind of, I don't know, yeah. understand each other a little bit better, better or show affection mm. a little bit easier. I don't know. Love is a universal language. That is true. Uh, before we go to break, let's take another call. We think this is Brian and Juliet. Is this Brian? Yeah, how are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing, Brian? All right. Uh, I'm just checking in. You referenced uh, that this sort of thing might disturb the migratory patterns of birds. Yeah, the uh, light light pollution. Mm, well, you see, uh, our bird uh, friends are already in enough trouble, uh, you know, what yeah. with uh, uh, pollution, and so many are endangered, and, uh, and deforestation, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> many are threatened, and uh, the birds of extinction already, and... Uh, you know the story of the canary in the coal mine. Uh, if the bird's population goes, humans won't be far behind. So yeah. uh, I am 100% opposed uh, to this idea if it's going to disturb our bird friends. I agree. I'm right there with you, Brian. And All right. Thank you for taking my call. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. Yeah, I, I you know. It's funny that he mentioned the like bird extinction of the birds and it would affect humans and it just brought to my mind the whole concept of the birds and the bees right like <laughs> yeah but if if the birds were gone and the yeah. bees were gone yeah we'd be gone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> all right we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back i have uh, a wild new hypothesis about ibs and gravity and much more on think theory radio Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. And uh, we just got finished talking about uh, sky advertising and light pollution and uh, blinking to your cats and communicating in blink code. And we are talking about these things because it is. That's right. Weird science and tales to astonish. And uh, before the break, I teased a story about a new hypothesis about IBS and gravity, but I'm not going to do that one yet. Okay. <laughs> In true Radio Tease fashion, you know, yeah, you don't come right back from the break stay and tuned. do what you teased, right? Coming up on Think Theory Radio. <laughs> uh, plus, I, I got to fit in some of these quantum things before we get back to the other stuff that's a little more understandable. Because qu- quantum, because if you think you understand quantum mechanics, then you don't really understand it. 
Okay. Yeah. And that's I don't understand it. That's from a famous physicist I Neil, don't, Niels that, Bohr said that. So so if I don't understand it, does that mean I do understand it? Yes. Awesome. No, not at all. Oh. <laughs> and that was a, a paraphrase quote. But uh yeah. No, basically he's saying that it's it's so, you know, wacky and out there that like if you really think you oh, yeah, it, you never really understand it. Yeah. Um so I got this from Live Science and a wormhole was simulated in a quantum computer. Okay. And there's been different articles written about it. This one um, I find intriguing because it it kind of ties in the concept of the universe as a hologram. And uh, this baby wormhole was created on Google's Sycamore 2. Baby wormhole was my name when I was (laughs) uh, a space rapper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yo, we got baby wormhole in the oh, chicka. Now that totally would have been like a rapper on Futurama. Yeah. They, ah, they missed the boat on that one. The things I, I say aren't a fallacy. I'm talking about all the mm. things in the galaxy. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's all I got. No. <laughs> I was just getting my beatbox. Baby wormhole's not full of rhymes. <laughs> I'm not freestyling right okay. now. Nah, <laughs> almost got him in there. Polly C, the C no, stands no. <laughs> this, yeah. Never mind. All right. All right. Uh, we digress so many times. No, there's. Um, so, anyway, this was created on Google's Sycamore 2 quantum computer. It was not created gravity, but through quantum entanglement. My favorite thing in the world, and or I should say the universe. And if you haven't listened to my show before or know a quantum entanglement, it is basically the linking of two particles and that afterwards you can measure the instantaneously effects of the other because they're forever connected through time and space. And by entangling qubits or quantum bits, which are what they use in quantum computers, uh, it's actually kind of takes the place of zero one like how you know computer operates on a zero one zero the binary code well in with the qubits and quantum computing it creates the fact of uh it can be zero one or it can be zero or one or one or zero it's basically like the uh the whole concept of superposition and how a particle can be a wave or a particle, it's the same thing. So I guess by having a computer that can do this, it can operate in much uh, greater facets and can compute and diagnose problems and do mathematical whatevers much more, much, much more. (laughs) (laughs) To use a scientific term. Yes, (laughs) very much. (laughs) Very much, much more. Uh, by entangling qubits or quantum bits in minuscule superconducting circuits, physicists were able to create a portal through which information was sent. The experiment has the potential to further the hypothesis that our universe is a hologram stitched together by quantum information. And the researchers published their findings in the journal Nature on November 30th. This is a baby step for interrogating quantum gravity in the lab, lead author Maria Spiropulu. A physicist at the California Institute of Technology said, When we saw the data, I had a panic attack. We were jumping up and down, but I'm trying to keep it grounded, she said. Uh, Wormholes are hypothetical tunnels through space-time connected by black holes at either end. Now, in nature, the immense gravity of two black holes is what helped create the condition of the wormhole, but the wormhole simulating the experiment is a little different. It's a toy model, basically, that relies on a process called quantum teleportation. And that basically would imitate two black holes and send the information through the porthole. Um, according to researchers, uh, this, these, the processes are distinct in, you know, in the real realms and this toy model. But according to the researchers, they actually may not be that different after all. In a hypothesis called the holographic principle, the theory of gravity that breaks down around black hole singularities and Einstein's general relativity could actually emerge from the weird rules governing uh, very small objects, which is quantum mechanics. And this experiment might provide the first clues that is the case. So... um, yeah, they were able to send information, create this little wormhole, 
Um, I'm trying to find more. So to put these ideas to the test, the researchers used the computer loading it with bare bones model of a simple holographic universe that contained two quantum entangled black holes on either end. After encoding an input message into the first qubit, the researchers saw the message get scrambled into gibberish, a par- uh, parallel to being swallowed by the first black hole, before popping out unscrambled and intact at the other end as if it were spat out by the second. It's kind of like uh, on Star Trek when they would use the the, t- the transporters, yeah, you know, yeah. they would get all like... Beam me up, Scott. Yeah, so you'd see them like phase out and get scrambled, and then the information would get sent to wherever they were trying to be, and they would get re-put back together. Um, so that's what they did with this information. So can they control where they send it to? Yeah, well, in this, you know, because this is all... Simulation. Uh, simulation. Yeah. So they had two computers they basically used, you know, yeah. uh, or in the computer they created two black holes, and then... You and know, they found each other. They found each other. <laughs> well, I think they knew where they were oh, okay. in, in, the, in the simulation. <laughs> it's all just a simulation, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> How does that apply to the real world? <laughs> well, here's a quote from them. Or uh, Lycan, what's his name? The Lycan. Where does his name go? Anyway, uh, the physics that's going on here in principle is if we had two quantum computers that were on different sides of the Earth, and if we improve this technology a little bit, you could do a very similar experiment where the quantum information disappeared in our laboratory at Harvard and appeared at the laboratory in Caltech. It's called the Internet, man. (laughs) I send emails all the time. (laughs) But I guess you wouldn't need the Internet. So it would just show up. Just show up. We didn't have to log on to yeah, anything. Dan, that's a whole new quantum internet. Oh, man. Watch, uh, watch like, you know, AT&T, all those, like, mm. internet providers. Watch them all, like, stifle that out. Like, big, right. big telecommunications. <laughs> like, right. nah, nah, we're not doing, we're not just going to do information yeah. wormholes all like over the world. Like they did with the electric yeah, car, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's wrong. It's going to be like, uh, watch, watch big uh, telecom <laughs> Start being like, oh, this technology will cause cancer, and it's gonna—it's <laughs> just wormholes yeah. all over the place. <laughs> wormholes are gonna be growing out of people. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be anarchy. Um, yeah, and it's—it's. It's, and the researchers noted the information, tra- you know, traversed a very minuscule gap. I mean, there's just like a few factors bigger than the shortest conceivable distance. So you're talking about like a microscopic distance. So it's, you know, just interesting in, in theory and concept because it can give an idea of if a wormhole could be used, uh, you know, in the universe, like well, if it's possible. What would you use a wormhole for? Well, like, you would like playing catch with another dimension. Is that? Like, well, no, to, to travel. So like, the, okay, sure, so yeah, like, yeah. so like right now, most astrophysicists would say like we're never going to meet aliens because no i don't we're think, too far apart i don't think we'll ever be able to handle the pressure of a black hole we could barely yeah. like get like 30 meters into the ocean without blowing right. up so <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i don't think that's going to work out for us but if yet. we made a wormhole we just i'm sure there's intense pressure in a wormhole too maybe not i don't know i don't know i think our brains would pop like uh peanuts <laughs> if you went through I'm a wormhole to say humans are fragile yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here I got two stories involving music. Okay. Which is always good. I like music. Yeah. One's good and one's bad. Okay. Uh-oh. Are you going to ruin music for me? <laughs> Should I do the bad or the good first? No, I do the good first. Uh, he's always supposed to do bad first. No, I know. I know. What's the bad news? Tell me the good news the bad. No, I know. Well, right, well, good I, first. Well, okay, we'll go good first. Good first. <laughs> and, and this is actually an, a, a real thing. The other one's hypothetical. Okay. Um, this is from my guy from SciTech Daily. Groundbreaking new technology allows people to listen to music through touch. Okay. A, um, is this for like deaf people? Uh, we shall find out. It is. It was developed by experts from the Department of Electronics at the University of Malaga and members of the R&D group Electronics for Instrumentation and Systems 
Yep. We'll uh, allow those with hearing loss to listen to music through the sense of touch. It consists of an audio-tactile algorithm that transforms monophonic music into tangible stimuli based on vibration utilizing tactile illusions. According to the researchers, it's like hacking the nervous system to receive a different response to the real stimulus scent. What we want to achieve in the long term is for people who do not hear to be able to listen to music, assures researcher Paul Rimache, uh, the main author of this paper, who insists on the power of music to influence mood, as well as its possibilities as a therapy for mental disorders and treatment of pain. The researchers predict this will lead to a portable terminal that may be brought to a concert, since this prototype will be easily transferable to technological devices like smartphones. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, the first experiments proved that tactile illusions perceived through vibration provoke in people who do not hear a different emotional response, mostly positive, from that of the original music. It's something similar to mapping music, explains Ramache, who adds that this possible that this is possible because this type of file not only can be played and generate sound, but also provide symbolic representations. Uh, this is uh, current models do not warrant the correspondence between the emotional response to music and the vibro tactile version of it. In view of this, the engineers at UMA propose an arrangement of the tactile illusions in order to improve and extend the spectrum of musical features, adding dynamics to the vibration and form of movement changes the direction and location. It's a challenging process since they, since the perceptible frequency range of the skin is lower than that of the auditory system, which may cause the loss of some musical features, they explain. Okay. Yeah. So, that's cool. Yeah. See where that goes. All right, ruin music for me. <laughs> What's the bad? Uh, what did music there, ever do to you? Well, <laughs> hmm. This says, I got this from Tech Explorer. Researchers discover how music could be used to trigger a deadly pathogen release. Music could be used to do a deadly pathogen release. So, yeah. like... The music virus. So basically, if you... Now, like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, basically, now, listening to minute. pop music... Yeah, will... yes, yes. <laughs> no, now, wait a minute. A music virus. Like, the music is sell itself is a virus, or it's a carrier for something. Mm. Because I could think of, like, certain songs are catchy and earworms... See, now when I saw the headline, that's what I was thinking. Something like, yeah, like they would use music in some way to either trigger a virus in people or, yeah. But I think of it this way. So, like, I won't hum it or sing it, but I avoided Baby Shark for a long time. Okay. And then I heard it. (laughs) Have you heard it? No. Okay. But no, that's not what this is, though. Me and whoever knows that can hear that right now. Okay. All right. right, Sorry. (laughs) Nope, that's not what it is, though. Well, fortunately. Unfortunately for the the coolness of the story, but fortunately that's not going to happen. But this is actually a... uh, So it, it says researchers at the University of California have discovered that the safe operation of a negative pressure room, which is a space in a hospital or a biological research laboratory designed to protect outside areas from exposure or deadly pathogens, you know, like most labs, right, can be disrupted by an attacker armed with little more than a smartphone. So it's actually about using music to shut down the safety protocols in a lab that creates or works on deadly pathogens. So it's more about using music to hack into a place, you know, like if, you know, like that would have happened in Wuhan, and that's how COVID got released, because somebody walked in with a smartphone and played some, you know, Miley Cyrus song, and it just, you know, took over their lab. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> so it's basically just using music to hack into a security system. Yeah. You know, but which I guess could be used for anything. But in this instance, I guess these researchers were more concerned with the pathogen release, which can understand why in this time, right? Um, they say, according to UCI cyber physical systems security experts who shared their findings with attendees at the Association for Computer Machine Machineries Conference, uh, mechanisms that control airflow in and out of bio-containment con- facilities can be tricked into functioning irregularly by a sound of a particular frequency possibly tucked into a popular song, right? So it's it's essentially a frequency inside a song, like a subliminal message that triggers the release, which would flow the air out from the uh, laboratory. Someone could play a piece of music, load it on their smartphone, or get it to transmit from a television or other audio device in or near a negative pressure room, said senior co-author Mohammed Al-Farouk. UCI professor of electrical engineering and computer science. If that music is embedded with a tone that matches the resonant frequency of the pressure controls of one of these spaces, it could cause a malfunction and leak and leak a deadly microbe or leak of deadly microbes. So there you go. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take your calls and get more into some weird science right here on Think Theory Radio. Welcome back to Think Theory Radio. So we just uh, finished talking about how music can trigger a deadly pathogen, but also can be heard through touch. And that's because today it's... And... That's right. And before we move on... From the previous story, there was a caller that wanted to talk about music. You got Dan Lombard. What's going on, Dan? Uh, so a couple things about music. First of all, spreading a disease by uh, sound. Mm-hmm. That sounds like Halloween 3. You know, it's time. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the last one, I, I don't know if I got the number right, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Two, I'm just going to say... Uh, I was I used to shoot events, and this place had like a three-and-a-half-foot-high subwoofer off in the corner, and to get from A to B in the room, I, I had a pass in front of it. And um, I happened, I wanted to turn, you know, the old butt first or crotch first, so I went yeah. crotch against the wall, and the subwoofer is hitting me, you know, waist high. Uh-huh. I never wanted to leave. I never wanted to leave that spot, <laughs> and and every time I had to move across the room, I went that way. Ah, a little uh, sound because, sound massage. Uh, yeah, I mean, and the thing about the the, the sky advertising, uh, yeah. the first application will be porn. So yeah. you know, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> well, they already did it though. Long, they did right? can. Well, no, because they already did it. They did Candy Crush. Which, yeah. well, yeah, okay, but you know what I'm saying? It's gonna yeah, be, yeah, for sure. That's like when we found cameras, we went, hey, naked women. Yeah, sex cells. So, I mean, if there wasn't for porn, there'd be no internet. It, it certainly, I think, is moving a lot of money. And, and early on, we were looking at, I worked in an advertising studio, and there were we were all freelancers that said, you know, there's people making like sixty, eighty thousand dollars a month with a with a only it, that those that day's only fans. And right. They said, I said, all we got to do is advertise for ladies, and we make pictures. There was no video to be, you know, you couldn't transmit video on the internet; it's too slow. And we were with it. Where we talked about it, we started the process, and then we all just said, "Yeah, we can't tell our mom, so we're not doing it." Right. <laughs> It came down to, yeah, it's too shameful. Yeah. And now, every, everybody that wants to make a few extra bucks, and I don't blame them, only fans. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, your show is always amazing. It always uh, melts my mind after a tough day at retail, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Dan. Thanks for the call. And, uh, yeah, and if you want to subscribe to Paul's OnlyFans, he's at 
Oh, no. <laughs> if I had one, I'd give that right. out right now. Uh, yeah, but no, it's true. I mean, I, it, and that just triggered some memory of like some sci-fi movie too, where I feel like there was some like holograms in the skies of like naked women. Maybe it was Total Recall. I can't remember. Okay. But I know it exists. Yeah. Maybe it was Blade Runner. Maybe some sort of like gritty, of gritty 80s movie. Yeah, it was like Blade yeah. Runner, yeah. Total Recall, one yeah. of those. Um, so now we'll get into a couple uh, pretty cool inventions. One is still kind of in the testing phase and is actually for um, disabled people. But this actually could be really amazing if it works out. They are creating a way for people with paralysis to use a wheelchair with their mind. Mind control wheelchair. And there's actually, I guess there's been a range of different researchers, and I got this from a new scientist, who have previously used two main strategies to test mind control wheelchairs. The first one involves a person focusing on a flickering light in a particular location. This generates brain signals that an artificial intelligence translates into wheelchair movements towards that location, but this approach often leads to eye strain. The second strategy involved implanting electrodes in the brain. These accurately transmit brain signals to the AI, but only following a highly invasive procedure that carries a risk of infection. Now they're testing a third strategy, and Jose Milan of the University of Texas in Austin and his colleagues recruited three people with little or no movement in any of their their limbs. The team assessed whether a brain-computer interface could steer an electric wheelchair based on brain activity generated when these individuals imagine moving their limbs. So just by imagining doing it, it's pretty crazy. Each participant wore a skull cap containing 31 electrodes, which could non-invasively detect signals from a brain region that regulates movement called the sensory motor cortex. These signals were transmitted to a laptop fixed on the back of the wheelchair, where an AI translated them into wheel movements. To move right, the participants imagined moving both arms. To move left, they imagined moving both legs. The wheelchair otherwise moved forwards. And the two other strategies used to steer mind control wheelchairs, the ability to navigate the chair mainly relied on how well brain-computer interfaces retrieve and interpret brain signals from a user over training and testing sessions that last a few hours. In the latest research, the team trained the participants to generate clear brain signals over a period of two to five months with three training sessions per week. And they usually did it about uh, 60 times per session. Person one delivered correct commands 37% of the time on average across their first 10 training sessions, increasing to 87% by their final 10. The steering accuracy of person three also improved from 67% to 91%. Person two consistently steered with an average accuracy of 68% over their entire training session. There will be people who learn it very fast and very well. Then there will be others will need more time to learn, such as person two. But I think anyone can learn to do it. By analyzing the participants' brain signals over the training period, the team found that left and right brain signals of person one and person three became more distinct. Next, the team tested how well the participants can navigate the wheelchair through four checkpoints across a 15-meter hospital room containing beds, chairs, and medical equipment. And person one completed the circuit in about four minutes with 80% success. Person three in about seven minutes with 20% success. Person two did about five minutes with 75% of their attempts but couldn't complete the whole course. Uh, And Milan says, I wouldn't say the approach is useful on busy streets or less controlled environments, but the ability to move independently at all can be a huge benefit to these people. However, the skull, scap, the skull cap must be stuck to the head via a gel that dries out after a few hours, limiting how long the wheelchair can be controlled at one time. The use of gels could one day be avoided due to rapid advancement in dry and skin printed electrodes, as well as one that fits within the ear. So that's pretty cool. I mean, this is something that's probably going to take years to develop, but you can imagine if, 
you know, someone with paralysis or something. You know, my mom, she used to be partially paralyzed and that would have been amazing for her to have been able to use something like this. Um, so hopefully this, this comes to fruition and pretty cool. Um, now another invention that involves mobility, but for the rest of us who are, uh, don't like to, to walk. I love walking, but (laughs) I'm against it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this is, uh, I got this from Euronews. The world's fastest shoes have been invented. Sorry, that'd be the most boring Think Theory radio episode. Like, tonight, we debate walking, good or right. bad. Well, three segments. <laughs> right, three segments on walking. Do you prefer walking to the store or to the bathroom? We put weird science and the search for the meaning of life on <laughs> right. hold tonight. Right. For point counterpoint. Maybe walking yeah. is the... Yeah. No. Walking, yeah. Um, so anyway, this company called Shift Robotics has invented a device designed to be strapped onto your own shoes to boost your walking speed up to 250%, Paul. Wow. Yeah. You could walk up to 11, uh, well, it has kilometers an hour. I don't know. Three miles an hour, I think that is. Okay. 11 kilometers per hour? No, three times faster than you normally would. And what, what you said 11 kilometers per yeah. hour? They're called moonwalkers. Of course they are. And that's the average person goes 11 kilometers per hour? No, you could walk. You, yeah. No, no. This would make you walk up to 11 kilometers an hour, which that's is about nearly three seven, times faster. Nearly seven miles. Seven miles an hour. That's walking I, seven miles an hour is pretty amazing. Wait, I wasn't walking three miles an hour before. <laughs> right? Wasn't that, isn't that 250% less than seven miles an hour? Well, you probably were. You know, I mean, because if I, when I go no. on my walk, yeah, you no. just never did it. No. Yeah. No. Why no? I, there's no way I was walking three miles an hour. Yeah. Easily. I, I think five, probably five miles an hour. Oh, wait. I walk nah, pretty fast. No. I have like a city brisk okay. walk, you know, like. All right, Bob. Yeah. You're a little full of yourself. I don't know, man. I <laughs> I, you know, you I'm the fastest your... walker on earth. So, did you know, like, back in the day, so we're talking uh, 19th century, like the Madison Square Garden, not like the now one, like the couple previous Madison Square Gardens? Yeah. There was, like, an event, and it was, like, a week-long competition that was just walking. Okay. And, like, I don't know if it was distance or what, but it was, like, like certain men participated in this. They would, you know, at random times just yeah. walk. And it's like people like, you know, like the way that like their gait and the way they walked. Yeah. yeah. No, I told them that would have been me. Like late 19th century (laughs) (laughs) exhibition. I am the best walker in earth. I like the brisk, the brisk. No uh, one can outwalk me. Case of, yeah, no one can outwalk me. Uh, well, okay, so let's say you walk five miles an hour. This is still twice as fast as you. Hey, I believe it. I believe that there's certain <laughs> shoes that can improve, you know, like yeah. however it would happen, like a very, you know, better fitting shoe or bouncier or whatever it is. Yeah. But I, I could see that, that you would move quicker in a certain shoe, whether it's a running shoe or walking shoe or whatever. But no, I was not walking three miles an hour. And I, I challenged this theory that I, it can make me go <laughs> 250% faster. Um, well, what you, I mean, nah, I, it's, they're already invented. I mean, they're yeah. out. So you could well, buy, give me the could buy I'll, a pair. I'll buy my next pair. I'll it's buy, called Shift Robotics. They're called moonwalkers. How do you how do you spell that? Like shift, shift. robotics. Oh, shift. I just said shift <laughs> or shit. Shift. Shift. Yeah. Um, the moonwalkers. They look like skates, but they're not freewheeling. So you actually you won't lose your balance. And it has machine learning algorithms, so you can stop when you want. They'd be locked if you want to go up and down stairs, and they can automatically regulate their speed. Um, if you watch the video of the people on them, it kind of looks like. You know when you're on one of those right, uh, not a, you people a, movers you got, at the airport? Yeah, I see. This is ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> All right. I see why. Yeah. Because you're not walking. You're, like, gliding. I see it. Yeah. yeah. You're, like, gliding. Yeah. It's a deposit of $50. Oh, my gosh. $1,400 for these roller skates? <laughs> these motorized roller skates? That's well, ridiculous. the price will come down after a while. Do you think you'll see a lot of people doing that? Oh, of course. Hey. Come on. 
Shift is going to need influencers. Yeah, right. We're technically influencers. Right. So Shift, if you're listening, <laughs> I'd like a yeah. pair of these. I think they're based in Pittsburgh, so I don't know. They might be. Uh-huh. They're like tuning in on the internets. The old interwebs, they the might Steel be. Steel City's the real city. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to do this one about, but I think I'm going to save. You got time for one more. Yes. I'm going to save this specific one because I just want to quickly mention an article was... for the next. Yes. <laughs> Although... There was, uh, I was reading an article er- earlier, and I kind of, I, I just want to, even though it's like kind of not really weird science, but I just kind of want to mention it, and since we don't have that much time left to do another story. It's interesting, and it, it's on Harrods.com, uh, and it's it says that the, the title is First Bees and Ants and Now People, This Evolutionary Transition Might Be Coming for Humanity. And it's a it's a new theory, a revolutionary evolutionary theory (laughs) maintains that humanity is changing and that it might instead of being independent biological beings, society itself may become a super organism. And if you have if you have time, uh, you know, it's probably like a 20 minute read or at least I'm maybe a slow reader, but um, (laughs) but it's really interesting. And it's basically talking about how we're moving more and more towards we've become so reliant on society itself that we're we're becoming more like bees and ants. And the, like bee and ant colony, like we're just like worker drones, like yeah, serving a queen, yeah, yeah. yeah we knew that, I right. mean. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting though because it breaks down the whole thing about how society has changed from like when the hunter gatherers, each person knew how to manage multiple tasks. So if one person left the tribe, they could go start their own tribe because they knew how to do everything. Whereas when city states started. That's when specialization, one job, yeah. yeah. So everyone, you know, and as civilizations progressed, so from in Samaria there were like ten professions. Then by Rome there were a hundred professions. Nowadays there's like six thousand professions, right? So and we're actually our brains are decreasing as a result of this, you know. So it's it's interesting article. Check it out. It is kind of weird science, so I threw it in there. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks for our callers. We'll be back again next week and every Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. right here on WCPT H20 Think Theory Radio.